0: Hey everyone, it's your Chesapeake Bay Program manager Sarah Jennings here with the program team at Earth Force. We have Kristen, Taylor, Alyssa, and on the back end, Miss Haley Valley doing our communications. So we're going to get started here today with episode seven: Environmental Action Civics Key Experiences, with a fun question to our program teams. You can get to know us better. Let's personalize this. So, um, team love for you to jump in. What's something that is bringing you joy right now, personally or professionally?
1: I will start us off. um, I love checking things off my task list. It is like (laughs) this crazy good feeling. And we got some big things that are rolling out really soon. So stay tuned. We have a uh, like a student toolkit that we're launching. Um, that's been a long time in process. And so really excited to see some of these big things kind of ready to roll off the shelf. So how about you, Kristen?
2: Hi, uh, Kristen Dorfman. I have been meeting with a lot of our partners recently. And if you're a partner out there uh, who I've met with lately, howdy, it's been really great to meet all of you and learn about how you all are doing environmental action civics work out there in the field. Love it.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Kristen. For me, it's really uh, this momentum coming off of last year's programming here in Colorado. I've got a lot of excited educators that are ready to continue and start to do projects as well as some new educators. So just really feeling the pump and the stoke on some of these environmental action civics projects.
0: Yay. Love that. So it sounds like our profession is also our personal joy. (laughs) (laughs) The great thing. I think about working with earth force it's like these things come together for me i'll share also about caring for our watersheds and we're kicking it off uh october 16th which i'm super excited Mm -hmm. to have this kind of opening day and to try out some new supports this year and just get that like you said taylor that momentum going with our um our student facing competitions and get some of these new resources out the door um and then i'll i'll do a personal share since someone else did but our girls over here um, in South Central PA are going to make uh, districts for the first time in like 19 years. And
1: oh, congratulations. Uh, That's we're so really,
0: great. Yeah, or, so I coach soccer over here in, in uh, York County, PA. And so I'm excited for them. That's yeah. been uh, something ongoing and intense for those coaches out there and those teachers. You know, that beginning of the school year is really intense. So yeah. uh, thanks for sharing, team. Um, yeah. So previously on the pod, we've discussed our roadmap, which was a new resource we developed last year, um, a tool to really assess. Um, you could use it as a rubric to assess, you know, where you're at in environmental action civics, or just using it as a as a gold standard. Um, and then we also had a, a episode on our research that really, it, you know, grounds our whole approach, our whole process. So please check those out if you haven't already. This uh, episode today is really building off of those conversations that we've been sharing. And today we're focusing on three, just three experiences to get to environmental action civics. So this is aligned with our roadmap. This is of course, uh, you know, founded in the research as everything that we do, Um, but we really wanted to zoom back out and simplify environmental action civics to help folks understand what are three key pieces. We've been sharing this for years and recently after updating these materials and refining and refining it, and I'm sure we'll refine um, Mm -hmm. again. And so defining these key pieces has been really important. Um, and connected to the outcomes that we want to see. So it's a combination of research, practice, and staff conversations, which has been fascinating.
1: Yeah, I love that part. It's um, It feels very collaborative. And, you know, Earth Force has had 30 years of this kind of work. So there's outside research, there's our evaluation research, there's our experiences as, like, program Um, team going through all of this work with students and educators and such, and then just our personal backgrounds and such, too. And just to bring all of that to the table, it's so fun to talk with you all about, you know, like, what do you think about this? And is this the right word? And what are we really trying to say here and kind of hash all that out? So um, I love how we how we collaboratively work on these things.
2: Yeah, we were just talking yesterday about how going through that process of refining these three key experiences was in itself. A practice in democratic decision-making, which I think is so cool that we're doing that internally on our staff as well. Yeah, totally agree.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And then bring some of that practice in, I really enjoy because we all come from different places, unique communities, unique needs. It's like, mm-hmm. what are those common threads? It's like, what are the same thing even across our large geographical area? So we've got like this regional focus, but then how does that look locally? And then what's mm-hmm. the same, what's different or what works or what doesn't. And that right. continued conversation to help us with that refinement has been. Yeah.
1: Which I think fun. is like, is like one of those things about environmental action civics in general, like it's kind of this, this thing that we want folks to do in a very localized personal setting, but then it's like what translates across all, all projects and all action and in this. And so just like, I feel like that's a, a really fun like mental gymnastics thing that we do a lot. Like how do you take something that's hyper-local and hyper-personal and then generalize it in a way for
0: people to understand? So um, it's good practice. love it, y'all. Thanks mm-hmm. for that insight. It's been really fun. And I feel so good about where we landed too with these three pieces and that all of our voices were heard. Even our ops team, right, got to weigh in mm-hmm. on this. So, um, so you're probably wondering what those are. Tell me, tell me. Um, so we're going to, um, dig into these, these three key experiences right now. And, um, you know, basically if you want to have maximum impact on civic and environmental outcomes, then this really is the core, okay? Right. It's, it's everything boiled down from our process. Um, the steps, you know, the roadmap, this is everything boiled down. So here they are, or Kristen,
2: you want to share? Yeah, I'll go through. Yeah, so our first uh, key experience for youth is that youth select an issue that is rooted in their lived experience. So young folks are having the authority to select an issue that reflects their personal experience and addresses a need in their community. And the second key experience is that youth co-create their learning environment. So young folks are working in partnership with their facilitators, their educators, their teachers, and their community stakeholders. So folks out there in the community, they're sharing in that decision-making, responsibility, task management, and that assessment and reflection at the end to look at the process as a whole altogether. And the last key experience that we'll go through is uh, that youth are engaging with community power structures and asking for change. So youth are advocating for a systemic policy or practice changes that are informed by the issue that they selected and talking to decision makers in their community. So we're going to go through examples of all three of these to kind of really dig in and and talk about what that means uh, in real life.
1: Yeah, because sometimes you you say those things and then you're like, that's all great, but what does it look like? Um, and so you all have definitely heard us talk about the mold kids as we affectionately call them, or the students from Virginia that changed indoor air policy at the state level. Um, and so I'm just going to walk through their, um, kind of what they did and these key experiences. So you select an issue that is rooted in their lived experience. Those students found mushrooms in their classroom, like looked at them with their eyeballs it was very much part of their like lived actual experience right um and check out the photo on the blog there's uh we're going to add some photos in one of the the young ladies that was part of that team still is um is on our board of directors and just shared her story again recently super powerful um secondly they co-create their learning environment man that is a packed statement (laughs) when kristen unfolded that there was all these different pieces, and if you look at our roadmap, there's this whole section in the middle that is like, you know, youth adult partnerships and community engagement and decision making and all of this. But what we're really talking about here is that young people are working in partnership with adults. They have like they have agency and they they can choose and they they feel like they are partners in learning, right? And so in this example of um, the, the mold example these young people had a great educator who's done earth force for a long time. And she really had it dialed in. I, when I, I've talked to multiple different classrooms um, that students from different classrooms of hers, and they all say like that she really was able to be that like mentor in the center where she was able to guide them and support them when they needed, but that they really felt like they were taking Um, control of their learning, Um, these students were responsible for a lot of like the outreach to community members, they were on committees, she would have like a vice president and a president that reported directly to her and then under them would be students that would report up to them. Um, So there was really a lot of of agency and students were really co-creating that learning environment. And then engaging with power structures, this youth engage with community power structures to ask for change. Um, I believe they did that something like 17 times. Um, These young people had a presentation that they gave to um, the principal and to the, Forward and just realized that as they kept going, there were just bigger, bigger issues. Um, and so they did multiple presentations and ended up in the Senate, in the Senate, to ultimately ask for change at the state level. And I do think they are asking for change at the national level. I think there's work around there being a national policy. So stay tuned. Um, I think Taylor's going to walk us through a different example, so we can kind of see this in a different way of something a little bit more local. Um, Taylor, Absolutely. you want to take it away?
3: Yeah, because that's, it's like an amazing example, like going all the way to the state senate and then even to the national level. But in Colorado, my work really is kind of around community resilience against natural hazards most of the time. And specifically, we also work with GOCO and the Sheridan community. And so um, for those of you who don't know about the Sheridan community, it's it's kind of, it's an old old neighborhood and it's small, its own municipality. And so everyone's experience is a little different. Um, So that lived experience of the students and their vision of the community differs from those who may have lived there much longer. So in this particular instance, they engaged in the process, inventoried the community, um, but the the issue they chose was their track field, which was cracked through a series of um, flood damage pieces. But for them, it was always cracked. So this idea just like, well, that's how it always has been. That's how it always will be. So like, why do we change it? But going through the process, they actually kind of really thought harder and engaged with other community members or their educators to be like, well, what was it like before? And then in the mid-century, they cut out this bowl to create a natural stadium, but a tributary ran through this bowl. And so there was a lot of conflict between floodplain management and all these things, sustainability and foresight. So they engaged with... Um, creating that learning environment, which at next up, so they identified this issue in their lived experience. Like they didn't think it was an issue until talking with their teachers and their other community members They're like, Oh yeah, it's an issue. We want to make this space for the community. So thought talking with school administration, mile high flood districts, other community organizations to be like, well, what's the problem? What's happening here? Um, and through that, they identified that this tributary was, was creating this flooding in this area and cracking their track. And it was condemned. They could no longer use this space as a community hub. They used to host, you know, 5k runs. They used to host all kinds of sporting events there. So through all that research and like understanding the history, the history and the timeline of this, um, They kind of gathered their strengths so the students were like well i'm really good at public speaking i would like a public speaking role or i'm really good at editing videos i can create a presentation i can put together all this information in a way so that we can present to mile high flood district so instead of kind of taking it on themselves they're like hey this is your jurisdiction you know it's your responsibility to manage the floodplains of our community we've identified this issue would you take this project on and you know, prevent this further further flooding. And Mile High said, absolutely, we'll, we'll put that project up, we'll make it a priority and start the process. And they ultimately invested about $300,000 to redistribute and redirect this tributary that was running through their sports field. So that's kind of a, a much smaller example of students kind of identifying something, researching it, putting their strengths together, and then asking for that change for the people in power that can actually make that difference.
1: I love that example, Taylor, because they asked for the change and that was the action.
0: They didn't have any, you know, which is, um, I just think is a great example. It doesn't cost any money. Right. Mm -hmm. So thank you guys. Thank you, Taylor. Thank you, Alyssa. Thank you, Kristen. Um, we're going to wrap up here and I just want to you know, zoom back out. So those key experiences that you guys shared in these examples, right? Youths were selecting an issue that is rooted in their lived experience um, that addresses a community need. Youth are co-creating their learning environment. They're working in partnership with their educators. They're uh, assessing and reflecting. And, you know, youth are engaging with community power structures to ask for the change. There's that civic action piece, right? That's part of environmental yeah. action civics. So- Those are the three boiled down components that, um, you know, we wanted to share with you here today. And so I hope that you're ready to do this. We offer youth in your classrooms um, programs to get started on environmental action civics. Um, And so please check out our our website, our resources page, and YouTube. So we're going to link the YouTube channel in our, show uh show notes in the blog there so you can see other examples of this in play and then we are hosting also a train the trainer this october so if you are working in more of this capacity building or you know working to train educators um you know please get trained up on this with us we would love to have you and uh and reach out so thanks so much for tuning in today don't forget to leave a comment share what you think about these three experiences and we'll see you in two weeks Bye, y'all. Bye, everybody. See you later. Bye.